HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. So I want you to picture a bird, just any bird, okay? When I ask you to do that, an image of a bird should pop into your head. We all know what a bird looks like. I think everyone on this planet over the age of probably two knows what a bird looks like. And when I say bird, you think, what, feathers, beaks, two little skinny legs, Maybe like some brightly colored plumage. Maybe it's flying. Maybe it's not flying. You know, the universal bird with all the bird parts. Songbirds, yard birds, snowbirds, parrots, finches, chickens, ostrich, all birds. Now, I want you to kind of think a little more carefully about the bird's actual anatomy. Think about all the bird parts and body parts. And now, I want you to tell me where their bacon is. I'll wait. While you think about it. Are you done? You can't think of it, can you? Well, that's good. Because bacon doesn't come from birds. Bacon comes from the bellies of pigs. Not birds. Birds don't have that kind of meat on them. There is no bacon on a bird. So why do I bring this up? Well, 
if you've shopped for groceries or been to a diner or eaten breakfast or gotten a breakfast sandwich anywhere in probably the past, you know, 20 years, you have no doubt seen and maybe even purchased and eaten something called turkey bacon. Now, how can this be a possibility? If turkeys don't actually have the part of the body called bacon, how can there be such a thing as turkey bacon? How can it actually exist? Turkeys are birds. They have legs and beaks and tall feathers and those waddler things under their chins and wings and really, really big breasts if they're industrial turkeys and kind of scrawny breasts and big legs if they're heritage turkeys. But they have no bellies. None of them have bellies. They have some skin covering their internal organs down below, but no bellies. So there's no place on them for the turkey bacon to actually come from. Now, on pigs, there's a place for bacon to come from. It's called the belly, and the belly on a pig is like this big flap of tough meat that's layered with fat, and it encloses the pig's guts. So it hangs down from its rib cage on both sides, and it meets underneath. It's sort of like the pig's wearing an upside-down backpack full of internal organs. And other mammals have them, too. Cows have them. On a cow, we call that part of them the flank steak or the brisket. Lambs have bellies, veal calves, all mammals, we have them. All four-legged animals have a belly. But birds, we don't really call it that. They technically have it, but it's just skin. It's not the same kind of like densely packed muscle fiber layered with fat that mammals have and that pigs do exceptionally well with. They are very good at having bellies. And that's where bacon comes from. That's what bacon is. So saying that you had turkey bacon... For breakfast is like saying you're having a salmon banana for breakfast. Now, we know there's no such thing yet as a salmon banana. But if they made a salmon banana product, a salmana, it would probably kind of be like this. It would be shaped like a banana. And it would smell like banana smell. And it would taste like banana flavor. Not like a banana, but like banana flavor. And it would give you the overall impression of a banana, but it would be made from a paste of salmon scrap, maybe ground up salmon skin and heads left over from the salmon industry. There'd probably be some kind of cornstarch slurry in there, some kind of thickener, something to bind it together with. Artificial banana flavor, some yellow dye, something to sweeten it with, probably, you know, NutraSweet. So the salmon banana would be like a banana, but it would be enriched with omega-3s. So it would be even better than a banana. It would be healthier than a banana. It would have less sugar than a banana. You wouldn't get that messy banana hands feeling from it. And because it's made from fish, it would have protein. You get my point? So the salmon banana is not a stretch from reality. Believe me. This is the bizarre world of food that we live in right now. Now this goes beyond what I call foodiness. This is frankenfoodiness. Frankenfoodiness is making one food into another totally unrelated food. Turkey bacon, salmon banana, non-dairy creamer. And here's how the foodiness world and foodiness marketing gets away with it. They use what George Orwell called years ago, double think, which is asking you to hold two contradictory ideas in your head at one time. Remember double think? So, i.e., it's turkey, but it's bacon. Or it's like a peacekeeper missile. 
Remember those from the Reagan era, if you're old enough? It's a missile, but it's peaceful. It's turkey, but it's bacon. See where I'm going with this? And turkey bacon is also totally Soylent Green. If the Soylent Green pellets were extruded in layered slabs and sliced like bacon and given artificial bacon flavoring instead of looking like little triangles of plastic, which is what they looked like actually in the movie Soylent Green. So turkey bacon is definitely exhibit A, the prototype, the meta example of what I call Franken-foodiness, which is the stitching together of parts to make another creation. Like Dr. Frankenstein's monster, if you remember the book or the movie. A world of food simulacrum, to pull an old world out of my ass from my college art history days. Simulacra are inferior representations of things. Like Epcot instead of Europe. Or the Venetian Hotel instead of Venice. Or photorealism. Or pop art. Or Sarah Palin instead of Tina Fey inferior representations of the real thing. Or the 2010 Disney M&M store Times Square instead of the 1980 Peep Show and Tranny Times Square. Or turkey bacon instead of real, actual bacon. And as I've said many times on the show before, with foodiness, there's always an unspoken premise. So if there were such a thing as a salmon banana, and give them time, it's coming, who would need to eat a real banana? If you can eat a salmon banana, a salmana, the unspoken premise would be that a salmana is better than a banana. It outdoes the banana at its own game. So the unspoken premise of turkey bacon is the same. Why eat real bacon if you can have turkey bacon, which is allegedly better and better for you than the real thing. And now also the world of Franken-foodiness brings us chicken bacon. I saw that in the store, too. Now, granted, the chicken bacon that I saw was made by Murray's. And Murray's is an excellent poultry company who I like and strongly endorse. Their chicken bacon actually has very few ingredients in it, but it is still processed foodiness simulacra. We have to say that. And somehow, to me, chicken bacon seems even weirder and more wrong than turkey bacon. Not really sure why. So since I've already disabused you of the very notion that turkey bacon can even exist, let's now examine whether turkey bacon is better for you than bacon bacon, pig bacon. So here's the typical list of ingredients for your basic industrial processed turkey bacon, your supermarket brand turkey bacon. There are better brands on the market for sure. Applegate Farms makes a really good one. Murray's, like I said, still a processed food simulacra, still franken, but better. But this is like your average mega supermarket turkey bacon. So here's your list. Mechanically separated turkey. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is what happens after a turkey or after any animal has been slaughtered and all the edible good choice parts are removed. Then they take the carcass and they use these machines that have a million different, a million like rubber coated fingers. And they basically like shred and massage all the remaining little scrap off of the bones. Okay. That's mechanically separated meat. So mechanically separated turkey turkey. So the mechanically separated turkey is the first ingredient, which means it's the predominant. There's the most of that. Then turkey. I'm not really sure what the difference is there. Then dark turkey. Third ingredient. Potassium lactate. Sugar. Salt. White turkey. Water. So far we're okay. Natural bacon flavor, which contains maltodextrin, which is sugar. Rendered bacon fat and bacon bits. But wait, isn't this a turkey product? 
which contains natural smoke flavor, water, salt, sugar, sodium phosphate, sodium erythrobate, I can never say that one, and sodium nitrite, which is for curing purposes. Then salt, natural flavors, natural smoke flavors, natural flavoring usually means MSG, hydrolyzed corn gluten, soy protein, wheat gluten, silicon dioxide, disodium inosinate, and smoked pork fat. The upshot is that turkey bacon is a slurry of gross turkey parts with a bunch of artificial flavorings and chemicals added to it, all of which are both worse for you than bacon and regular plain old turkey. So all of those things go into making turkey bacon. Now here's the ingredient list for bacon from a good company, okay, sort of a natural company, good quality bacon, pork, water, salt, sugar, celery powder. That's it. No shit. All real. Turkey bacon is all shit and no real. The celery powder, in case you're wondering, is in there because it's a natural source of nitrites, so they don't have to use sodium nitrite in its chemical form. Celery has it naturally occurring. Nitrites are what they put into cured and salted meats to prevent botulism from growing, but also to keep them pink. Did you ever think about that? Like if you eat a hot dog and you cook the hot dog, the hot dog stays pink. But if you cook a piece of just raw meat, it goes from red to gray to brown. Ever think about that? Anyway, so bacon, five ingredients. Turkey bacon, 55 ingredients. But people say, but turkey bacon is so much healthier for me, so much better for me. Everyone says I should eat the turkey bacon instead of the pork bacon. Blah, blah, blah. What is healthier for you? A slurry of turkey scrap and paste mixed with chemicals, corn products, soy protein, and fillers? Or pork, salt, sugar, and celery powder? But they say, turkey bacon has less fat. It's better for me. Well, let's look at some numbers. The bacon that I mentioned above, the Applegate Farm Sunday-style bacon, has 60 calories for two cooked slices of bacon. And the more you cook it, the fewer calories it's going to have because fat melts out. Typical supermarket turkey bacon product, turkey bacon product, has 35 calories for one slice. So you have to do some math here. Okay, and this is math that even I can do. The one slice of supermarket turkey bacon has 35. Two slices of regular bacon has 60. That's math that I approve of. So you're getting more calories if you eat the two slices of turkey bacon than if you eat the two slices of pork bacon. And since most people eat more like eight or nine pieces of bacon, do the math. So if turkey bacon doesn't exist and it's worse for you than real bacon, what is the point of it? Well, to begin with, most of us either never knew or didn't grow up around food. So we don't really know where bacon really comes from. Like I was talking to somebody about this show and I said, well, of course, bacon comes from bacon. And they said, well, what's bacon? I said, well, it's a part of a pig. They said, well, I didn't know that. I didn't actually know it's a cut. So... We don't really grow up around food anymore. Now, remember in The Wizard of Oz, remember the scene when it was still in black and white, Dorothy was still in Kansas, and she's walking on the fence around the pig pen talking to Huck, who turns out to be, I think, the scarecrow. And she's walking around, and she falls into the pig pen. Dorothy lived with her food. She fell in the pig pen. A couple months later, she was probably going to eat those pigs. She was connected with her food. We used to grow up around food like that, so we knew what food was. Now, Dorothy would have never believed in turkey bacon. She believed that there was no place like home. 
She believed in witches. She doesn't believe in turkey bacon. Even wearing those sparkly red shoes. No turkey bacon. Now, sadly, for Dorothy, of course, she did believe in uppers and downers and martinis. And that's another story. We don't really spend much time around food anymore. So today's Dorothy would fall into a display case of tofu dogs at the grocery store. Although today's Dorothy wouldn't be named Dorothy. She'd be named like Lexi or Brittany or Kayla. So that brings us to this idea that turkey bacon is potentially better than real bacon. Although I think we've already debunked that. So the idea that the turkey bacon is better for us, even though now we see that it actually has more calories than regular bacon, goes way back to the fat phobia, the lipophobia of the 80s and 90s that swept the nation and in that tsunami of phobia took down with it all kinds of great high-quality foods, fats, proteins, things that we'd been eating for centuries and left in its wake frankenfoodiness and all of its ilk. Like Frankenstein's monster, like I said, sewn together from bits and parts of other things, hoping for a beautiful new creation, but actually creating a monstrosity. These products are the same thing. They're fabrications made out of vaguely similar materials. It's quasi-bacon, still technically made from meat, but not the meat that was always called bacon for the last, oh, 500 years or so. And when we think turkey, we think low-fat. And when we think bacon, we think fat. So if we get bacon from turkey, we get bacon that isn't fattening, right? Well, no. Look at the numbers. It's like non-alcoholic beer or non-alcoholic wine. I mean, without the alcohol, is it beer or wine? Without the buzz, what's the point? So as a result of all this low-fat frankenfoodiness monster we've all been eating in the form of turkey bacon and sugar-free yogurt and yolkless egg mixes and olive oil cooking spray, non-dairy creamer, tofu hot dogs, dairy-free dessert toppings, soy cheese, imitation crab meat. Is all of that supposed to be making us healthier? Because when I look around, I don't see a lot of health. I see a lot of diabetes. I see a lot of obesity. I see a lot of cancer. I see a lot of heart disease. When I look at pictures of people from 60, 70, 80 years ago, they kind of all looked a lot better. They were all a lot thinner. They seemed a lot healthier. What were they eating for breakfast every day? Bacon. Real eggs. When you cook regular bacon, a good amount of the fat renders out because it's naturally marbled. And the fat renders out, and that's how it gets crispy. And the fat that's left in the bacon is very satiating. It makes you feel satiated, which means it makes you feel like I've eaten something satisfying. And now maybe I can stop. Although I think part of the problem is maybe we can't stop. But unlike foodiness-filled turkey bacon, which won't satisfy you because it's fake. And it tastes fake. And it doesn't have the mouthfeel and the satiating qualities that the real bacon has. It's just like what I keep saying over and over again about artificial sweeteners, that research shows that all they do is cause a rebound effect and make you crave more sweets. So turkey bacon makes up for that lack of fat and lack of real flavor also by adding more salt too. So actually turkey bacon brands often have way more sodium in them than regular bacon. Now I have no problem with salt being added to cured pork products. That's what cures them and that's how they've been traditionally made for centuries i do have a problem with processed bird paste slurry pumped up with salt to make it taste like bacon simulacra 
All right, we got to take a little break here. And when we come back, more about Franken-foodiness. Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. So that was a little shout out there to not only George Orwell in 1984, but David Bowie, who turned 65 this week. Woo! Which blows me away because I went to his 50th birthday concert at Madison Square Garden. It seems like three weeks ago, but apparently it was 15 years ago. Anyway, while we're on the subject of simulacra, it's a good word, isn't it? can throw that around at your next cocktail soiree. Simulacra and breakfast. I'm going to take a big, gigantic, heavy cast iron skillet in my hand, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to pound the crap out of those Franken-foodiness pre-mixed low-cholesterol egg mixtures. You know, the stuff in, like, the little milk carton. I'm not going to name names here, but you know what I'm talking about. Let's call it egg whackers. Okay, that'll be the name of the product, Egg Whackers. Now, if you listen to my show, you know how much I love eggs. And a good pastured egg from a chicken that's grown up grazing on grass and eating bugs and dirt and all kinds of things is a beautiful, delicious, perfect thing. An egg is full of nutrition, protein, minerals, zinc, lutein, omega-3s. Amazing. Eggs have everything you need in them. And almost all of the protein and all of that nutrition in an egg is in the yolk. So what is up with the egg whites, people? And now that we know it has been proven that dietary cholesterol has very little impact on blood cholesterol levels, unless you eat trans fats in processed foods, which is another show, why do we do it? Why process the eggs and make them into something simulated? Why separate the whites out and add ingredients to make them into something else? Just eat the whole egg. You can't ask for better food than a whole egg. So here's the ingredient list for eggs. Eggs. Here's the ingredient list for what I call egg whackers, but you know what I'm talking about. Egg whites. Primary ingredient is egg whites. Natural flavor, which means MSG usually color, including beta carotene, which they have to put back in, which you would get naturally from the yolks. You'd be getting the beta carotene from the chickens because they're getting it from the grass they're eating. Spices. Spices also usually means MSG. Salt, onion powder, vegetable gums, including xanthan gum and guar gum, which aren't such terrible things, but xanthan gum is made from bacteria. Maltodextrin, sugar, Vitamins and minerals, because they have to put back in all the nutrition that they take out, because they take out the yolk. Calcium, sulfate, iron, vitamin E, zinc, calcium, B2, B1, B6, folic acid, biotin, and D3. All of which you could just get from eating the egg. So it's basically egg whites and water and flavorings. 
maltodextrin, like I said, is a powdery form of sugar, probably to give it like viscosity and thicken it up. And then a whole bunch of synthetic nutrients. And as we now know, when you play God and mess around like that and take nutrients out and put them back into things and isolate them, nobody really knows what they're going to do when you ingest them. When you single out individual nutrients and then add them back into processed foods, nobody really knows how they behave or react in your body. Talk about frankenfoodiness. Now, a while ago, I did a show on eggs, and I talked about how industrial eggs are really fucked up. They're full of pesticide residues and hormones, and the chickens are very poorly treated, and all of that is true. And really, the best eggs you can eat are pastured eggs from farmers. But you know what? It's not so realistic for me to say to you, you have to find a farmer who's going to give you pastured eggs. You can't do that if you don't live in a place like Brooklyn or Portland. So... You know what? Even the most effed up supermarket egg is always going to be a better choice than egg whackers, simply because it's a whole, intact, real food. Not foodiness, not frankenfoodiness. Egg whackers in their little carton want you to go down the rabbit hole and think that they're better than eggs. But how can the simulacra of something be better? Is the monster that we made in a lab better than the food we've eaten since we realized that we could jack it from a bird's nest? I mean, think about it. No matter what the foodiness product, it's always a matter of time before it's reported that it's bad for you, gives you cancer, makes you fat, makes your balls explode, whatever. Do you think cavemen ever read a report that said woolly mammoths were actually bad for them after all? That's because woolly mammoths were real and turkey bacon was not eaten by cavemen. And I wonder with stuff like this, if there are kids today who just think that bacon is another product from the store. Oh, bacon. I buy that in the store. And it comes in flavors. Like everything now. Turkey flavor. Beef flavor. Chicken flavor. Maple cured pork flavor. There's sort of no concept of his origins. How bacon traditionally was a survival food for poor people. People who couldn't afford to eat the more choice cuts of the pig, like the chops and the loin and the hams. The cuts that were high on the hog. That's where that expression comes from. The rich folk, basically the plantation owners, would eat high on the hog. Everybody else, the slaves, low on the hog. The feet, the trotters, the bacon, the tail. That kind of stuff. And these are kids whose parents maybe mistakenly think that they need to keep their kids' intake of fat and cholesterol low because they're terrified. Oh my God, cholesterol, fat, my kid's going to be sick. My kid's going to be unhealthy. And so they feed them... Foodiness and frankenfoodiness like turkey bacon, artificially sweetened, key lime flavored yogurt, so-called whole grain cereals like Captain Crunch with more sugar than candy. And it reminds me of my cousin, my cousin Steve, who as a child had an extremely fat phobic mother. And he was only fed, they were only allowed to eat in their house super low fat, low calorie foods. And because of that, my cousin Steve never grew. He did not ingest enough calories or enough fat to trigger his growth hormones beyond early childhood. And he didn't grow. And so finally, a doctor figured it out because he wasn't going into puberty. And the doctor said, I think you need to start feeding him a little more. And so they started pumping him full of real food and real fat. And he was drinking milkshakes and eating all kinds of meat and Finally, his growth hormones kicked in. But unfortunately, it was a little too late because he's only like 5'5". Five, five. Although in my family, that's actually tall. That's a big achievement. But Steve probably grew up eating things like egg whackers and turkey bacon. 
and it makes sense. He grew up in the 80s. His parents thought they were doing the right thing. So I think that people probably over 35 can be reminded of what bacon is. Maybe they have a sense. If I say bacon, they think pig. But maybe people under 30 or under 20 never really knew that it actually came from pigs. So if you're under 20 and you don't know how to discern real food from foodiness, you need to start paying attention. You need to listen to the show or read some food magazines or watch a movie like The Wizard of Oz or ask your grandma. Although your grandma could be my age, so maybe your great-grandma. And as we've talked about in the show before, sometimes getting real with real food is hard. It's inconvenient, like industrial eggs, which are really messed up. And like I said, basically, you should go to a farmer's market and good eggs to be, get good eggs to be real, pastured eggs. But it's not very realistic. Get the supermarket eggs. It's better than the egg whackers. You know, or there's water. I've talked about water. All you have to do to eat real is not buy bottled water. Get it from the tap instead. So it's actually easier than you think. And when it comes to frankenfoodiness, getting real is actually pretty easy because all you have to do is not buy the frankenfoodiness products and instead buy the real thing. Basically, if it comes in a package, don't buy it. <laughs> if it comes in a cardboard carton or a plastic bag, it's probably better. So buy the real bacon. Buy real cheese. Don't buy low-fat cheese. Don't buy soy cheese. What is that? Cheese is made from milk, not soybeans. Put milk or cream in your coffee. Don't buy coffee powder. If you want to eat blueberry pie, eat blueberry pie, not blueberry pie-flavored sugar-free yogurt. Now, let's get real about all of this. It's true that what they do to industrialize bacon and industrialize eggs and all this processed stuff is really, really messed up. And ideally, you should buy good bacon from well-raised pigs that are fed on what pigs are meant to eat, pigs that have grazed out in the pasture and eaten all kinds of stuff and are really happy and, you know, come from small farms where they're lovingly nurtured. But that's very unrealistic. You could do it. All that stuff's out there. It's very easy to find. It's more expensive. But, you know, how about eating better and eating less? That's an idea. We could probably all abide by that. And then you could eat some good bacon in the morning, a couple slices of really high-quality, chemical-free bacon, eaten with a couple of good pastured eggs, maybe some nice organic rough-cut oatmeal, some good 100% whole wheat bread. And that's what we need to cure us out of our foodiness-induced, rapidly declining health. But if that's not realistic for you, at least just eat the real versions of the food, not the fake versions of the food. The point is that you want to be like Dorothy. Dorothy knew where bacon came from because she hung around the pigsty and fell in. Not like the poor Dorothy who went on to become addicted to speed and pain pills and died at a tragically young age. And remember that sugar and alcohol... And bacon, they're all addictive. Some more so than other. So if you become addicted to things, you can't have fun with them anymore. Remember when we talked about that on the sugar show? Everything in moderation. If you find yourself becoming addicted, maybe step back and think about the fact that you may have a little problem. Most of the real thing will satisfy you. And you don't need to go down the addiction route. But frankenfoodiness never satisfies So you're always jonesing for more. It makes you more of an addict. More fake, more manufactured, more simulacra. 
So if all you eat is frankenfoodiness, you wind up an obese addict, more sick, more miserable than you would be if you just ate the real bacon. And unlike poor Dorothy, who died at 47, you'll live much longer. But if you don't, and you continue to eat the frankenfoodiness, you'll end up like Amy Winehouse, who died at, I don't know how old she was, 25, 26? 27. Thank you. 27. <laughs> now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about with Dorothy because you're too young, I'm talking about Judy Garland, who played her, t- who ch- died tragically at 47 of drug overdose because she was pumped full of speed and then had to take downers all her life and had a tragic, horrible life. So we should just remember her from her glory years in The Wizard of Oz. So that's it for this week. Make sure you check out letsgetrealshow.com online. Remember, you can listen to all the shows on Heritage Radio always on heritageradionetwork.com or on iTunes. I would love you to check out my vlog on letsgetrealshow.com and you can find me on Facebook and on Twitter at Let's Get Real. We are out of time. We'll see you next week.